Let's talk about the real reason why we're doing a podcast. I think it's because I got sick of starting fights at dinners. You did. Yeah, around the dinner table. Yeah, you That's story. really why. Now I have an outlet to talk about crypto. Very triggering. Very triggering. Yeah. <laughs> we all have stories, right, where our friends are talking to us about crypto and they don't get it. Mm-hmm. And we're like, oh, no, but it's just, it's that. Don't you see? It's this. Yeah. Yeah. It's actually, there's only two emotions when it comes to talking about crypto. One is I'm on the defensive immediately, right? Because I'm ready to fight. Hmm. I'm ready to fight you. The other one is just, I'm past the point of fighting and I don't care anymore. Is that the Leo energy or what? what, what uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I maybe know, a little yeah. bit. Yeah. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Coinbase podcast, the first inaugural Coinbase podcast. I'm Justin Mart. Long-time Coinbase employee working on Coinbase Ventures, alongside my compatriot and co-host. Hi, I'm Catherine Wu. Uh, I am also a member of the Coinbase Ventures team. We get to we get to chat about crypto for a living. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah. Well, the point of this podcast is we want to try to help break down complex, challenging topics. We want to make it more accessible to everybody. We want everybody to hopefully understand and and feel like they get what's happening because you know this, like the space moves so fast. Yeah. I can't keep up with everything. I feel like I'm going to learn a lot talking to these experts. Yeah. And ultimately, if this is just the gigantic, you know, big way to prove to my friends and family, like, actually, this is why I'm excited about this. And this is why I left the law. This is why you left your career as a nuclear engineer to going through this crazy crypto industry. Like, hopefully this helps you understand a little bit why I wake up to do what I do. What a great first topic, too, because we're not starting with something easy. We're, we're jumping <laughs> straight into it. We're doing NFTs. What is an NFT? Why should you care about it, right? Mm -hmm. And just as baseline knowledge, NFTs are this new crypto phenomenon. I like to think of NFTs as just their strict definition, a non-fungible token. I also don't like how crypto uses a lot of heavy acronyms. What the heck is a non-fungible token? Well, basically, a fungible token would be one that's interchangeable with another one of its kind. So you have a dollar bill in your pocket that's fungible with every other dollar bill. Even if you're changing the physical pieces of paper, right? If you exchange a dollar, well, it's still worth $1. That piece of paper is the same. It's fungible. Non-fungible tokens are simply things that are unique. They're one of one items. There's nothing else like it. So in that sense, it's kind of like art, kind of like a number of other things. And that's the base of the entire NFT movement we see today. Today, we're mostly talking about NFT as art specifically. It can be many, many other things. But at the core, it's just this idea of a token that is non-fungible, that's unique. Yeah. And I'm I'm re- really excited to dig into that because I feel like there's so many nuances um, that we can flesh out later with G-Money. And G-Money also, I want to say, you know, he has a background in equity trading. And from what I can gather, basically left his equity trading background behind to work full time in NFTs, whatever that means. And we'll find out later. <laughs> um, but also talk about how it's gone from uh, just a silly creative term into a full blown industry, right? With so many people globally who are so bought in on this. And I think this is just the very beginning of, of NFTs, really. You know, And I think even you and I have come full circle around being really skeptical on NFTs to begin with, maybe just even a year ago to now you know, following the latest drops. You know, just five minutes ago, I was trying to mint a collection. And <laughs> Look at you. <laughs> yeah, you know, come full circle. Yeah, I actually think it's great because we learned and changed our minds. So hopefully other people can do the same. Yeah. The important thing for me, though, is listening to others that were in the space, watching it, keeping an open mind. Yeah. I feel like I've learned a lot. Yeah. Learned a lot from a few key people. Yeah. And uh, who better to kind of talk about NFTs with than G-Money? 
G Money. So tell me about G Money because well, I don't know G Money. This anonymous curator, collector, extraordinaire, a person who was very early to the NFT train, understood the thesis behind it, and boy, did he capitalize on it. And now he's a very influential figure. He knows a lot about this space. I feel like I have a lot to learn from him. So super excited to kick this off. He's he's kind of wrapped himself up to his identity, his per, his personality, his uh, his character really in a CryptoPunk. It might make sense to explain what a CryptoPunk is. What what is a CryptoPunk? They were one of the first NFT drops, and I, so I think historically, if you look at the very short history of NFTs, it holds this really really high place because people all agree that this is kind of like the OG, the first collection. Yeah, punks are also just base a set of ten thousand of these. Basically, I guess avatars, right? Just yeah. like pictures of, of pixelated humans in, yes. in, with various attributes. The interesting, interesting thing I think about punks is um, they were algorithmically generated. But a lot of our conversation today does revolve around punks because G Money has wrapped himself around a very specific, very rare crypto punk. Yeah. An ape. There's a one of 24 apes out of 10,000 <laughs> with a iconic orange beanie. Yep. I wonder if he wears a beanie in real life, actually. What do you think? It would be pretty off-brand if he didn't. Right? You Wouldn't know, it? if I ever meet him in person one day, he's not wearing orange beanie, I'm going to say something. You should. Yeah. <laughs> Call him out. <laughs> Who is this imposter? Exactly. He's, he's got to bring his digital identity into the real world, too. Yeah, you know? yeah, exactly. Well, let's not delay it any further. Let's dive in. Talk to G-Money. We thought we should ask you the first question is like, what's your social security number? What's your name? Because it's so interesting. You're like an anonymous character, right? You're an anonymous <laughs> influencer. Um, and that's just like... Um, yeah, no. Yeah, so I, I think that's super interesting. And like, I'm, I guess I'd say I'm pseudonym, right? Like, because Justin, we met in person. We did. Most people face. Uh, who know, who know who I am, like, like, I'm pretty open about who I am. What the reason why I started um, using the avatar and uh, kind of like pushing this narrative is uh, really early on, I was I feel like I, I I had spoken to people and had the opportunity to go on like major major news media. And one of the requirements were like, well, you have to fully dox your face and give us your real name. And I was like, why does that matter? Right. Because like people don't care yeah. uh, what my opinion is under like my name, my normal name. Right. And so it's like, this is who I am that, you know, what I represent, you know what I stand for. Uh, and it's like, that's kind of where the world's headed. Right. Like it's you know, who you are and what your name is doesn't matter, right? Because, yeah. and, and when you think about that, like with, with personal identity is very much like, you know, when you're given your birth name, that's a family name. And, you know, when you grow up, like you, there's not much that you can do about your genes outside of like health and, and, uh, and exercise. And, but like what the way you display yourself in a digital format and the nickname that you use to log into something is something that's really super personal. Yeah. And like, it's like, that's where I think the world is headed ultimately. So it's more so to kind of push that. It's not necessarily because I'm trying to be uh, fully anonymous. Why the name G-Money? Where does that come from? Um, it was it was one of the, the nicknames that I had growing up. Uh, I just, my name begins with a G and uh, so that's right. where, you know, people call me G and, you know, any, any noun after that. Um, and so money was one of the ones that's, both st that stuck because I, I guess, always had a knack for, for making money. I was very, I guess, entrepreneurial growing up and stuff. 
That checks out. Yeah. yeah. That's a really interesting point about basically the separation of your physical identity. And like when I say physical, I mean like it's not just your face, it's not just your real name, but it's also like your pedigree, right? Like things that matter in like the physical world um, versus this, you know, whoever you can be in the digital world, right? And like, for example, I mean, I'm looking at an avatar right now. Um, how fluid do you think that identity gets in the digital space? Like, for example, like, are you G Money forever? And are you going to be, you know, the, the, the ape forever like how do you think about your identity as it changes or if not you know in the digital space because you actually have the freedom to basically change yourself to whoever you want to be um yeah i think that like i think it's interesting right because i think there's almost like this concept of let's call it proof of reputation right yeah so that uh for sure i could i'm i could be a totally anonymous and and disappear off the planet tomorrow yeah. uh, but I, there's also like a lot of work that gets built uh, into building that reputation right and like who you are so I, I think that that's like that's one aspect of it like I, I think that there is uh, even though people are like oh well you need to give your real name and show your face in order for me to take you seriously I think like you know 30 50 years from now people will understand that oh like um, you are you know your persona right like there's plenty of people that I'm sure you guys have interacted with, that I've interacted with, that I don't know who they are. I don't know what they look like. I don't have their number, it doesn't matter. but I know who they are as a person. And I know how like they interact with me and how trustworthy they are and you know, being able to do deals with them and, and trust any information that they give me. And so like, I, I do think that that's, that's one thing and that's like uh, an identity thing. But I think from like how I'm going to portray myself, uh, I have chosen to generally stick with the ape. I generally don't change my profile picture, uh, although I know a lot of people do. But I do think that that's like one of those things that uh, is the beauty of it, right? Like it's, it's pretty one iconic, of the really, reason the why. And yeah, thank you. I, I mean, and, and that's kind of what I've, I've been going for, right? Like I want people when they see this ape, they're like, oh, that's G-Money, right? But I think like the really interesting thing is like the ability to change what you look like at, at any given minute, right? So the reason why NFTs made sense to me when I first got into them, what, when I first found out about them, was because I played Fortnite uh, at the beginning of quarantine. And I start playing with my buddy and his 12-year-old nephew. And the first question he asked me is, how, what skins did I buy? And like my, my response was like, skins, like they don't give me any special powers. I'm not buying anything. But I realized that he was changing his skin every game. Right. So that's like every 15 to 20 minutes. So because of that, right, like I'm sitting there and I'm like, oh, there's going to be this massive super cycle um, of of this kid is now 12 years old. But in 10, 20 years, he's going to have his own disposable income and he's going to be totally OK with uh, a totally digital asset ownership. And so yeah. like, you know, and you're kind of seeing that now with like profile pictures, right, where people are like, oh, how long is this going to keep on lasting? And, you know, I don't partake in, in much of it, but I can see why people do it, right? Like you take a look at Western consumerism and we're, we've been taught for the last like 70, 80 years that I'm not going to be happy unless I spend money on something, right? Like that's yeah. literally the mantra we've all grown up with. And why don't you think that would translate over to NFTs where it's like, oh, I want to look like a chubby unicorn today. I want to look like a punk. I want to look like a bored ape, right? Like, and you know, it's just like what you're feeling and how you wish to display yourself. So I think that like the proliferation of, of skins and, you know, how you're going to portray yourself will be 
evolving but growing over time as well. Yeah, so we're, we're hitting on a lot of stuff here. I kind of feel like we should just get into this, right? Because we're already kind of getting into it. Um, yeah. Man, I mean, NFTs, this is actually kind of a hard topic to talk about because there's, there's just so much yeah. going on, right? Yeah. And I don't know, when I talk to people that are not deep in NFTs, they have so many basic questions. And you go down the rabbit hole, what you're yeah. talking about really is the your digital identity and how an NFT is wrapped up into that in kind of an in, intricate kind of uh, linked way, right? Um, which is a really, really powerful value uh, to NFTs, but there's so much more going on here, right? So I don't. I thought it'd be kind of cool if we could actually just kind of talk about, you know, high level, what are NFTs like? Why? Why would you want to buy one? What's your response when people don't understand NFTs? They don't get the point behind them. How do you try to explain that to them? So there's there's usually two examples I like to give from the real world. Is uh, one the first one is um, everything in the real world is an NFT, right? So uh, all three of us are wearing T-shirts. Uh, you know, if we if all of us had one dollar and we exchanged the dollar, we would have the same value, right? But right now you're wearing a T-shirt, I'm wearing a T-shirt. If we were to exchange our T-shirt, we don't necessarily have the same value. It's all dependent on what the wear and tear is, what the brand is, the quality, and all these different variables, right? So, like that, it, that means they're non-fungible, right? So, if you believe that the world will be more digital over time. And if you believe that that digital version of the world will probably be decentralized, then as at more and more assets come on chain, they will come on chain as non-fungible tokens, right? So that's that's one thing that I usually say mm -hmm. to help people understand, like, what does that mean, something being non-fungible? So that that's one example that I would use. Can, yeah. can, can I pause right there, actually? So yeah. what we're hitting at, yeah. right, is like the idea to express your personality, your creativity in the digital world. You can pick the T-shirt you wear, et cetera. But maybe the, the typical skeptics question be like, look, couldn't anybody kind of pick the same digital item, even if they don't own it? Maybe they could borrow it. Maybe they could like, you know, just use it without quote, quote, owning it on an NFT. Or do you see NFTs as being like, oh, platforms will only let you wear a T-shirt if you provably own it on the Ethereum blockchain or on some NFT platform? Right. So I, I think that comes up to like the next the next point that uh, what I like to use, right, is like, so Andy Warhol is very famous for screen printing uh, the Campbell Soup cans, right? Uh, you can buy a screen printed version of the Campbell Soup can in perfect condition from Amazon for about $20, right? It's the exact replica of the original. It's in better condition than the original because it was just made. Yet for some reason, that one sells for $20, but the original one that touched that went through Andy Warhol's factory for some reason is selling for nine figures, right? So why is that? That even though I'll make, I can make a case that this one is more valuable because it's in better condition, but humans really, really put a lot of value on provenance, right? So it's like the reason why that one is worth so much is because Andy Warhol actually touched it, right? So it's like, so that, that goes back to, you know, distributed ledger technology and why is my picture of my ape worth more than somebody that right click saves it and tries to sell it as you know a replica right is because mine comes directly from the larva labs contract as opposed to somebody that can right click save it for sure and these are issues that you see happening with um all the side chains at the moment where they'll do crypto punk ripoffs but at the end of the day like the provenance uh the value accrual is ultimately to that original right so and you're you see you see this with memes right where you know the more the more something becomes shared the, and the more people recognize it, the more value there is to the original, not necessarily to the, the copies. 
I really love that you touched on this because I think one of the biggest leaps that people first have to make is that like things are valuable in the digital space, right? Things are valuable even if you can't touch it. And I think like the copy paste argument oftentimes overlooks what you're saying, which is that like it ignores the fact that you can have ownership even in the digital world. And I think like sometimes when people are like, well, why does digital are like, why does this need to be crypto? I think what you're saying is this idea of like a digital ownership and not just digital ownership, but the fact that there are ways to verify it. And then to add on to that are people who care to verify it, right? Maybe to, maybe to go one level higher, right? Yeah. It's actually that we need to redefine ownership. Yeah. Because in the physical world, ownership is actually having the item. Like I have a t-shirt, I'm wearing, I own this thing, right? In the digital world, there's there's no like actual legal sense of ownership. Like I don't own this picture. What does it even mean? Because anybody, the ones and zeros can be copied, right? So ownership is actually just a social construct for NFTs. It's the rest of the world kind of rallying together and collectively saying, yes, we recognize G-Money as the owner of the ape CryptoPunk. Yeah. And then it still conveys all the social status, all the, all the sort of provenance and interesting, you know, it kind of hits human psychology in a way, right? And then it gets layered into so, other pieces yeah, like of utility. The, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so to take that one step, one step further, right, is uh, I, I also use this example of the Mona Lisa, right? The Mona Lisa is arguably one of, if not the most, uh, valuable painting in the world. If tomorrow we found out without a shadow of a doubt that Leonardo da Vinci did not in fact paint the Mona Lisa, what like what do you think the immediate value of it happens? I mean it probably goes I down. think it goes lower. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would go lower, right? Because it's like, oh, this doesn't have the provenance of Leonardo da Vinci. Nothing else changes. The condition's exactly the same. The whole story up until this very moment is exactly the same. But for some reason the value of it goes lower. So that tells me that humans place so much value on provenance, right? Yeah. So then when you think about it to what you were just saying, Justin, where it's like, okay, now in the digital sense, like I don't technically own anything because there's no like physical thing that I can claim, but I own the provenance, right? Like I have that digital receipt that, hey, I purchased this from the creator. So like I have the original copy, right? And so that to me tells me that like, we're sitting here and discussing right-click save, mm -hmm. but at the end of the day, it's a lot of it is about having that actual claim on the provenance. Do you, do you think this is also why, I mean, so I was actually pretty, I was an NFT, NFT skeptic a year ago, right? A year ago, NFTs were kind of under the radar, right? Yeah. It wasn't nearly as big as it is today. And I remember watching kind of CryptoPunks rise a little bit. And I kind of, for the first time, was like, what are these things? Why should I care? Mm -hmm. I was admittedly skeptic. I didn't quite get it, right? Um, but then I started talking to others, thinking a little bit more about it. Um, and then some of these themes hit out. I kind of arrived at a thesis that I have, by the way, which I'll probably hopefully get to at some other point in the future. But I wanted to touch on this, right? We've seen this explosion recently. I wonder how much of the explosion is actually due to the fact that NFTs are new. And so people care about provenance. Maybe they want the earliest NFTs, right? Mm -hmm. Maybe they want the punks because they're the earliest. They want the Ethereum, you know, land tiles because they're also the earliest. So there's a big land grab over the things that humans think will have really powerful provenance in the future just due to their history, right? Just due to the, yeah, their history. Yeah, I mean, I, I totally agree with that. I think you, the community technically agrees with that, right? Because people keep digging up uh, all these the oldest NFT project comes out like every couple of weeks. To me, I personally don't like, uh, I don't like necessarily investing or collecting that, that story. Cause to me, like the most organic NFT and like, I consider punks super OG. They're not the first NFT, but um, they're, they're up there in the sense that there was an organic community that formed around them hmm. that didn't form around previous 
projects before that, right? So even though people are digging stuff up now, uh, to me, it's like what makes punk so so special is the fact that there was this amazing organic community that got built around them. Yeah, that actually um, brings me to one of my questions, is which is that like, okay, let's say, and I get this a lot now from my friends, right, who are like, went from the, you know, NFTs are stupid, they're just JPEGs. They're like, okay, so like maybe this, you have a point. Um, What, you know, I'm interested. What makes a good NFT? Like, how do you even begin to like parse out the answer to that question? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think it depends on what people are looking for, right? Um, You know, there's, like like I said, like everything in the real world is an NFT, right? So, uh, you know, a bond is an NFT, a mortgage is an NFT, a house is an NFT, None of these things are on chain yet, but uh, much the same way that at this point, it's more uh, a lot of collectibles and a lot of art, because I think that's the first and easiest use case that humans can generally understand. Um, I think that much the same way people tell you, uh, buy art that you love, you know, buy NFTs that you love, right? You know, we've we talked a lot at this point about um, JPEGs really digital art um where do you think the next big unlock comes from in terms of like vertical uh i i think we're seeing it already it's probably play to earn mm. I, I think that's where you know gaming is you know more i think the success of axie infinity is definitely has everybody being like oh wow like this is huge right um even like the origin story of ethereum right i don't know how true this is but people say that you know vitalik like found some bug in like world of warcraft and like was able to exploit it and then he lost like all the the resources he mined and he was like well f that like i don't even own any of this like let me go make you know uh something where i actually own it and that was kind of like part of the origin story behind ethereum and you know like you start thinking about that with in-game assets and you know, I take, again, I take a look at the success of Fortnite and how people are, you know, kids and, you know, Roblox, Minecraft, and you have everybody under the age of 20 uh, that has touched this games, touched one of these games and has spent a good amount of money, their, their parents' money on these assets that they don't own, right? And it's like, how much cooler and how much more viral do you think a game would be if the assets that you bought and earned, you could actually trade it, right? Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, so I think what I want to tease out is what we've covered so far actually is still in the same realm, which is digital identity and social cred. So maybe my question is, you know, when you look, open the headlines, if you do a Google search for NFTs, every day I feel like I'm seeing some new artist, right? Like getting into the NFT games. Like all of a sudden I'm seeing like, oh, like movies and songs and why are there so many creators flocking to nfts and and like is it a different part of nfts than like digital identity because this is more digital work right this is more like music and you know visual i don't know art um yeah i guess i just wanted to tease that part out like i feel like there are so many layers to nfts that we've only covered really like one massive piece but there's this whole other part right yeah i i totally agree i think at some point probably sooner rather than later we start coming up with some sort of classification for NFTs because like I said, I consider everything in the real world an NFT. So that's literally like saying everything in the real world is a thing and just Mm. classifying it all as one category, right? So that obviously doesn't work. So I think we're probably going to get very siloed verticals sooner rather than later and coming up with some sort of uh, way to describe them and let people know that it's an NFT, but it's like an NFT wearable or an NFT mortgage or whatever it is. Uh, I think the reason why 
art has been uh, art and creators, the creator economy has been disrupted uh, so quickly is because you're cutting out so many middlemen, right? Like when I first went down the NFT rabbit hole, uh, I read two books on the contemporary art market because I said the closest thing in the real world is the art market. So I need to figure out how the art market works because before I got into NFTs, I think I had purchased one, one piece of contemporary art for uh, not a significant amount of money. And like I was, I wouldn't consider myself a collector by, by any stretch of the imagination. And so I'm like, I need to understand this. And one of the biggest findings that I found was like, if you were to go to a gallery and purchase, let's say a piece for $10,000, the amount that actually goes to the artist is somewhere between two and $3,000, right? So that's insane, right? Like Crazy. that's like, you know, I'm spending $10,000. The artist is only getting two or $3,000. That's shockingly low. There's, yeah. Like I had no idea it was that yeah. low. That's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But then I'd have artists being like, wait, so tell me, wait, I, I can sell it for how much? Like how quickly? Like, and all of that goes to me. Like I can sell, I can sell like, you know, that same artist that sells in a gallery for 10,000 could then sell a piece online for 4,000 and me as the collector, I'd be paying less and the artist would be making mm -hmm. more. Right. So like, that's, that's awesome. Right. Like it, everybody wins except for the gatekeeper, right. You, yeah. the, the middleman. And so that's why I think you've seen like this huge proliferation of creators is they're like, wow, like I can engage and be closer to my community, yeah. but still at the same time, I can make more money. Right. Yeah. There's something else happening with NFTs and it's around this idea of community and, and maybe they're kind of intertwined in a way. Right. But I think it gets to another aspect of NFT, NFTs that is powerful. And it's this idea that we're bootstrapping communities around a brand new movement, right? So the Board Ape Yacht Club is like a very interesting community that formed over this collection. So I'm really curious how you think about this new world where art isn't a one of one thing or it's you know just a small set, it's a set of 10,000 and they're digital and they're slightly different. Like how do you think about the communities that form around that? What is going on there? Well, I think, I think it's uh, really like genius, right? Cause it's like, you know, if you have a community and you notice this with like smaller collectors, smaller collections, but then also with one of ones, right? Like why haven't the price of one of ones skyrocketed the way, uh, you know, collections have, right? It's because the community isn't as big, right? There, there's, there's something special about 10,000 right now. And that number will be going up over time yeah. as more people get into the space, right? Because there's like that Lindy effect that happens where the collector base is big enough that enough people are talking about it because they own it, right? Where it's like, you know, it, it's like at some point, there's like that number of collectors divided by like total not like total number of pieces. If let's say half the punks were owned by one person, we probably punks wouldn't have gone as viral as they did, right? Uh, yeah. And the same thing with all these collections, right? Yeah, I, I also want to touch on another point, which is that I think NFTs can have that vibrant community precisely because there's no such thing as this is exclusively mine and you are not entitled to use it. Like G Money, like you wouldn't care if I changed my profile picture to like your ape in a beanie because that's not the point I of NFT. It. Right, exactly. <laughs> like there's no such thing as like, I'm going to send you a cease and desist. Like because there is that sort of like, no, like this is open for all. We're, we're upending like the traditional, like this is like exclusively mine, right? Like the whole point is that like this is out for the open and like I know and like everyone else knows that the true owner of the ape is G Money, but like it doesn't really matter if I use it and you're not going to stop me because like you said, it actually is better if more people use it. So I really love the idea of this, like even though you can digitally own something, there's no such thing as like only I'm allowed to have this. Mm. And I think that's really, really powerful an, when you in, talk about community. Definitely. As an interesting counterweight though, I, I wanted to raise... Uh, 
another aspect to this, right? So while it is open, anybody can use these NFTs, make them more valuable. The communities form. It's really awesome. Like yeah. whole innovative stuff happening. The other side of the coin is this contrast. I saw somebody on Twitter make this point. I thought it was really good. I wish I had their name down because I'd give them a shout out. But <laughs> um, they made this point that like, you know, current social media has a problem and it's that people can fake their signaling. They can fake their social status. They can rent a private plane for 15 minutes, take all the pictures and pretend like they're taking a private jet, right? Or stand in front of a Lambo and take a picture, right? So that's, people love to do that, but you know, they're signaling the status. They don't actually have the status. But because NFTs are provably owned in a digital format, you cannot fake that. Suddenly, this actually could get integrated in the social fabric in a much more powerful way because that signal is so much stronger. Yeah, well, that that was like my thesis behind punks when when I bought them, right? Like I I very much was my part of the thesis was much the same way at the end of last cycle, people would say when Lambo. I thought <laughs> at the end of this cycle, people would be saying when punk, right? Mm. Because if you think about social status signaling, uh, it's something inherent uh, in human nature, whether we're sitting here face to face or we're behind a computer screen, right? If I met you for dinner tonight, and I said, hey, I'm G-Money, uh, I made X amount of money last year. Like, that's weird. Like, nobody <laughs> talks like that, right? You know, nobody, you're, you'd be like, oh, you're, you're being weird, you're trying too hard. But if I walk up to you and you see that I'm wearing a nice watch, um, I don't really need to say much else because you're, you say, oh, well, you're doing well enough that you can spend X amount on a watch. You know, I, I, you don't, I don't need to know anything else about you other than the fact that you're wearing a nice watch, right? Because... Uh, but again, to your point is that could be a fake watch. You don't know. But now you take that to the next level where you're online. Um, I can I can signal status uh, by buying an NFT, right? Like you don't need to know how much money I have. If I'm spending a half a million dollars on an NFT, I have a decent amount of disposable income that I'm spending that much on a picture, right? And that in and of itself is enough of a signal. Another way to put it, or maybe a clever little one-liner is this is social currency or like cultural capital or something, right? Um, in, in mm -hmm. the digital space. Yeah. I think uh, maybe one, let's end on like a nice, wholesome <laughs> note. Um, one of the things mm -hmm. that the NFT community says a lot is, is you know, we're, we're going to make it, right? Like you see this everywhere. So I guess, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, in, in your mm -hmm. mind, like when, what does that mean? Like when do we, when can we all confidently really say like we've made it? Um, Man. <laughs> when will I say we, we made him. it? There we go. When, yeah. when, Kim Kardashian, when Kim Kardashian does an NFT drop, I'll say we made it. Wow. Mm, okay. okay. That might come sooner mm -hmm. than we all think. Yeah. yeah. Maybe we already made it. I don't, yeah. know. <laughs> exactly. I don't know anything. Yeah. But yeah. I, I mean, yeah. I mean, like that. I mean, because the thing is, right? Like, I think that I'm very confident that everybody that's involved in the in the space right now is going to make it because I just I really firmly believe that NFTs are the Trojan horse. That takes crypto mainstream, mm -hmm. right? Because uh, DeFi was great, and without DeFi, uh, the proliferation of NFTs wouldn't be happening. But at the end of the day, not everybody wants or can play money games, yeah. and or even has the desire to do it. Yeah. But people understand collectibles. People understand art, and you know you understand ownership because that's something that's inherent to the human experience. So I I think like. I, I think we're like very close to that tipping point where we just start going really vertical. And I mean, even like the rise of NFTs already has been astronomical from, you know, literally a year Crazy. ago, nobody cared about them. Crazy. You know? Yeah. yeah. Um, this is a great, a great place to end, I think. Yeah. But I, I'm glad that you brought up DeFi because maybe my one last little like closing comment or thought 
part of my thesis here, if you look at like what's powerful about crypto, it's that crypto is doing new things. They're innovating in new ways. We're innovating the idea mm -hmm. of what it means to own things in a digital space, yeah. what it means to have a community form around something, how those entities get integrated and used in digital communities, and also how it gets in integrated in the real world, which we didn't even talk about, frankly. But that's what's exciting to me at a high level about NFTs is that you can just get a sense that there's something magical happening here. Yeah. There's a real innovation that's occurring. And I don't have all the answers for where it's all going, but I definitely think it's not going away. Yeah. So I'm an NFT believer. Um, took me a while <laughs> to get there, but I did get there. <laughs> I'm just super excited for, for what's coming down the road um, and you know the creativity that that like each and every human can bring to this, to this space. Yeah, awesome. Well, thanks, G-Money. This has been awesome. Yeah. Appreciate you coming on. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. I'll catch you at the next party somewhere, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we talked on a lot more than I thought we would, but at the same time, I feel like there was still so much we didn't get to even like scratch the surface of. There were probably three or four ma main points that I still wanted to make. Yeah, yeah, I know. But the key, the key point, I think my main takeaway here is that, you know, NFTs, I kind of mentioned this too, I think a few times, but NFTs are really being embedded in the social fabric in fascinating ways. And we can point to ways they are today and like, look, this is happening here. Look, that's happening there. But in my mind, we also just don't necessarily know all the ways they're going to end up being innovative and end up being used in society. Yeah. So we're kind of on this ride together. Yeah. Like we get to watch and see it innovate over time. That's yeah. really cool. Yeah. And, and you know, the other thing is I don't even feel like we've gotten to critical mass yet with NFTs. Right, mm -hmm. which is about like who are you really disintermediate like in the in the world where you know gatekeepers and tastemakers and curators really control um, culture and access. Um, where can NFTs really change that model up? And like I think those are the unanswered questions. And I think like where I'm excited to see where it goes as we continuously onboard people. Yeah, along with gaming tokens, access tokens personal social tokens, yeah, a lot of buzzwords, frankly. Yes. But, <laughs> and even but where to it. get them, right? Yeah. yeah. Like as of today, trying to get an NFT is still kind of it's clunky. challenging. Yeah. 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 I know Coinbase just announced the NFT marketplace. I think that's like one. Have you right? tried it? I haven't yet. Ooh. I know. You got to get in that internal beta. I know. It's I fire. should. It's yeah. Fire. I'm excited. I mean, the demo looks so good. Yeah. So be sure to get on our wait list. Go to coinbase.com slash NFT. We are going to be rolling this thing out relatively soon. And uh, yeah, trust me, it's going to be fire. So very excited about that. This was so great. Thanks for listening to the inaugural Around the Block podcast from Coinbase. Be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get podcasts. Watch us on YouTube. Um, don't forget, we also have a new landing page. It's coinbase.com slash around the block. So go there for any latest updates and news. And we'll see you all next time. Today's conversation is for informational purposes only and does not constitute legal or investment advice. Actual results may vary materially from any forward-looking statements made and are subject to risks and uncertainties. 